This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. Okay, there we are. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Truth Warrior. I'm so happy to be here with you. Quite the subject that I have put in front of myself today. And we're going to be diving down a rabbit hole that's actually very much related to a recent premium uh, presentation that I did. If you go to my website, let me just show you guys really quickly. If you go over to my website, dwtruthware.com, I got all kinds of goodies over there for you. But if you go to the premium tab, those of you amazing people out there that um, have been supporting my research and my work, a uh, few bucks a month, you get access to a massive library so far of just different presentations on various subjects that I'm really interested in and where I pull out a lot of books that I've got and try to do some comparative research on a lot of these very, very interesting subjects. And the one that we're spinning off from today is called The Occult Conspiracy. Um, it's actually um, a really, I mean, it's an overview of a very deep topic that could probably have numerous <laughs> podcasts and books and things done on it. But it's really getting into this question of secret societies behind a lot of political movements and revolutions in history. And you're going to see how this is very much related to what we're talking about today. Uh, I've entitled this one, The Rise of Nazism and the New Templars, and we're going to be getting into that. And I did this also off of the back of the recent Government of Canada debacle of inviting an actual SS Nazi into Parliament giving them a standing ovation by all 338 members of parliament who are all either incredibly historically illiterate or um, who knows, who knows what's going on. What an embarrassment. It is now mainstream and the true colors are really showing out. And so I thought, well, good timing because we need to understand some of this history and also clear up a lot of absolute, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, okay? Absolute nonsense that is running around in alternative circles, freedom movement, truther movement, whatever you want to call it, about the history of the Nazis, all these different things. And uh, I was inspired by some recent little spats that I got into on social media about this. Not going to name any names, doesn't really matter. In the end, I understand why people try to bite down on certain ideas, and I know exactly where they got them from. Uh, but I'll guarantee you, even those of you who might be seasoned in this field of research, you're going to see some new sources today. Some of them you'll be familiar. Some of them are going to be new. And in the end, like always, this is a free inquiry. This is a combination of collecting research that I've gleaned from various authors and researchers and historians and people that are experts in studying occult societies and, and this whole subject. It's a little bit of my own opinion. Um, there's indisputable facts mix, mixed with some things that are just theoretical because we're all peering behind the veil of occult power, which just means hidden power. And we're all trying to come up with theories as to what's really going on. Who's really behind the throne? What is the agenda for humanity? What is the political agenda that we're seeing come in right now? Where are its origins? And in the middle of that, it's such a hard not to untangle because we're dealing with centuries of history. And so in no way can I summarize it all in one little podcast. All I can do is just point you to 
the pieces that I've collected over the years, and I've studied this particular subject of the events of World War One and Two, European history, American history, uh, the rise of Nazism, fascism, all the isms, uh, secret societies. I've been doing this for decades, and I've been learning from, in my opinion, some of the absolute best, the people that have dedicated their lives to this, many people who've been put on watch lists and have been imprisoned for it, for their books. Uh, and lo and behold, they have been vindicated by the current events that we're seeing unfold right now. So in the end, you're going to make up your own mind as to what you think. I'm just here to give you different angles on things. And I always love it when people get so hyper attached to their favorite theories about these different subjects that we talk about, where there's like an emotional attachment to it. You see it in the comments, you see it in the conversations, you see it in their eyes that it's like, they latched on to their favorite little bit of how they like to interpret these different subjects and these different periods of history. And there's no budging whatsoever. And um, I don't encourage you to operate like that. I encourage you to listen to all the different theories, all the different voices, listen to what I'm going to present, listen to the people that I'm going to show you. Many of you probably never heard their names before. And then you're just going to have to do your own personal journalism on it and then figure it out for yourself to see where you think it sits. But I guess I'm always trying to find a way to present the research I have, give you my opinion, my perspective on it, what I think, uh, for whatever that's worth. Hopefully there's some benefit to it. But I hope we can also find common ground, even if we disagree on certain points. And that is that our world is being driven in a particular direction that so far, if you've been watching and paying attention, does not in any way, shape, or form appear to be in our best interest and our meaning the common person living on this planet, paying ridiculous amounts of money for gas, food, everything, um, watching our freedoms and our territories being destroyed and uh, seeing the rise of totalitarianism. And this is where everybody starts to argue, well, what brand of totalitarianism is it? Are we up against communism? Is that who we're dealing with? A bunch of the old czars from russia the old commies from russia or something like that is this a new form of communism like in china is that what we're up against in the west are we up against fascism is it all the nazis that are doing this to us is it religious groups is it the christian groups doing it is it the muslim groups is it the jews is it a combination is it some tibetans that we didn't even see sneaking up behind us with uh, some of their stuff that a lot of people don't know about. That's another presentation you can get into on Truth Warrior Premium, the dark side of Tibetan Buddhism. There's also a lot of connections to Nazism in, in that whole story as well to get into, which is interesting. And I guess if you're new to this and you're just waking up and going, I've been living through this period of uh, tyranny I'm seeing in my country, wherever you live, because this is, of course, being applied globally right now, the last few years. And you're asking yourself, well, who done it? Who's to, who's the blame? Who can I point my finger at and go, they're the ones. And so this is where everybody's going down their rabbit holes. They're finding the theories that, you know, resonate with them and good. We need different people with different theories and you should listen to them all. But I will tell you right off the gate where I sit currently just in summary. Okay. And then I'll present all the details to you. I think, and there's many uh, people that I have worked with and studied with that believe this as well, and there's reasons why. But my side of this believes that none of the things that you see in the public square, and I'm using that particular phrase 
on purpose. And those who know, know why. The public square. You're on the white squares of knowledge or the black squares of ignorance. And there are people playing your mind like chess masters. So you're either in the public square operating on the political level where you're looking at current events right now happening as either a right or left wing issue. That's one mode of thinking that, that you see dominate the discourse on social media and all the talking heads, even in alternative media everywhere. You're seeing this discussion of, oh, we're dealing with a left wing coup. But what does that even mean? What is left wing? What does that mean? You might even hear me use terms like that. But I hope that I sometimes have to do that just so that people can understand what I'm talking about. Right wing. Some people think it's right wing, like the media, all the people that were protesting against mandates from the government and having their bank accounts frozen. They're far right extremists. Everything not of the current narrative that they want everybody singing from is a right wing conspiracy theory or something like that. That's what the media is doing. So then the instinct for the average person out there, well, I'm sick of being called some right wing fascist Nazi for literally just standing up for individual rights, bodily autonomy, free speech, private property, protect our countries and our nations, preserve our cultures, you know, and you're being called the worst possible names that you could be called. Our government here in Canada under Justin Twinkletoes, Justin Castro, uh, has been very vehemently uh, against people that are trying to stand up for the traditional values of the West and has been labeling them every kind of hateful slur that you can imagine. So what does that do to the average person that's sitting out there that has no grasp of the full scale of the history we're going to dive into? And I hope you got some time today. We're going to take some time today. You got no grasp on this. And so they leap to what seems to be the most easy way to explain it all, which is that, oh, we're just being infiltrated by the left. And uh, yeah, then I guess I am right wing or whatever. And they're trying to find a tribe to cling on to. Looking for a group. Same story. New face. And um, the problem with that is that the people that are, in my opinion, organizing the current coup d'etat that is happening on this entire planet right now to subvert all the nations of the world, subvert your wealth, claim complete dominion over all the land resources and wealth, um, including your mind and your body, and it gets even darker, uh, that they are incredibly organized, intelligent. They've been at this a long time. And what do you think would be a smarter modus operandi for them? And I'll just keep it them for now. You can fill in. We'll fill it in later as to who we think it really is. We're, we can just summarize it as maybe it's not a particular group that has a left-wing ideology or a right-wing ideology or a religious ideology of some kind. Remember, that's all marketplace. That's all common public square. What if, could it be that these archons, these rulers, whoever they are, the, the would-be rulers, the controllers, the people that run the institutions, someone's running the show. It's not you and me. We think we can admit that. Someone's raising the interest rates, declaring new laws, declaring new wars, you know, getting behind major social political change. There's all kinds of competing factions. It's mafia warfare, top to bottom. But there is an interesting component that you're going to start to notice is that there seems to be 
a continuous push towards a singular agenda, which is a centralized control grid, a centrally controlled power structure, a world government type of system, which I think they've already had for a long time, but it's just being updated and refined. And what would be smarter for them? Would they play in the public square or would they play you in the public square? And let me just fill in what I mean by public square. Public square is all your religious institutions and the way you think about what religion is and the, the different battles between them. Because there's thousands of religions and cults on this planet and have been since the first thing ever written down till this present moment. There's cults and religions and philosophies galore. Okay. Hard to pin it down on just one that might be secretly conniving to seize the thrones of power. Okay. Uh, so you've got the public square. That's what I see as the embodiment is what we've all been raised with and taught. Where did it come from? What are the origins? Who done that? You know, what are the, what's the truth about that? And that is a very, <laughs> that's a, that's a very interesting road to go down. Then you have your politics. Okay. And the political world is very, very useful for managing the public mind who operates in the public square, which is the limiting fence. There's a perimeter fence around that public square of knowledge access. It used to be that we were all illiterate. We didn't know how to read and write. The vast majority of us we were out surviving in the farms, being sent to wars uh, in the medieval period, only a few hundred years ago. The average young man by the age of 16 had already fought in numerous wars, planted numerous fields, and probably only had a few years left of life left in him and lived a very short, horrible, brutal life under the rule of monarchs, kings, queens, popes, cults galore who commanded every moment of their existence in these feudalist style totalitarian structures. Then you come up, we got Renaissance, we got all these things. We start shaking it up. We start founding these, these ideas and principles specifically in the West uh, of, oh, you, you, you don't have a right to rule over us serfs anymore. We're going to rule our own destiny now. We're going to have equal opportunity. We're going to go out and we're going to reap what we sow. We're not just going to go out and plow the fields and give you 99.9% .9 of our earnings. We're going to take something back to our family, right? That started to come out. We started having human rights codes. We started having all of these things. So these elites that were sitting there for thousands of years, their lineages and their even ideological descendants, okay, are used to ruling unfettered, a dumbed down, population where all the the perimeter fences have been set up for the public square of the minds of these people so that any idea can be put in there and exploited and these people can be led around like sheep and honestly not much has changed if you look around it's just updated it's a little slicker it's the illusion of freedom illusion of choice these kinds of things that we hear a lot about and that i think are obvious right you're living in a free society, but you can't even post certain things on Facebook. You can't even, you know, protest something. The government's trying to force a medical product on you. And you're like, no, I don't want to do it. And suddenly your bank account's frozen. Like you're not in a free society. And it's getting darker and darker. And it's moving more and more towards that old feudalist structure, which was my argument. What Schwab and all these guys are doing, who are just puppets, who are just front men to relay information to the public square. Okay. And to recruit people from within the round, you know, to bring them in, who, whoever is going to be useful 
for the people that run him. And they're bringing back feudalism again. But it's like techno-feudalism. It's like a new brand. It's a mixture of all the isms. It's a mixture of this communist doctrine that we know so much about and this fascist doctrine that we know so much about. And, you know, you start to think, okay, what is that just starting now? Is this just like a new phenomenon? And my argument in the occult conspiracy where I go into the bellies of the, a lot of these secret societies and I pull out insider people from within that wrote books about this who talked about the fact that a lot of these revolutionary movements, which is the mark of um, how we can, it's one little marker we can use to track this history as a common denominator. They were forged in the bellies of secret societies. It's documented, it's irrefutable. You could say, oh, I don't believe that. Yeah, but they don't care what you believe. You believe what you're told to believe in the public square. They don't work in that square. They created those memes for you. They created that for you to keep you divided. That's my theory. They're behind these groups, these dynastic families, these elites, we call them black nobility, arch uh, architects of control, Illuminati, doesn't really matter the name. They've gone by many names. We've, but we can track the actions. We can track the, the weight. We can see their wake uh, throughout different periods of history. We can see their names. We can see, we can start to get some understanding. We can study the symbolism that's left behind. We can look at the etymology, which never goes wrong. It's always right there, right in your face. And we can say, no, there's something bigger behind political movements, religious movements, the different internecine struggles between various cults of which this world is full of and of which humans just love so much because they want to go back to the tribe and feel the security of the tribe. And they don't want to think on their own. They don't want independent thinking, which would knock this matrix system right on its ass completely. But they know human nature better than we know our own nature. And so they have, in my opinion, moved steadily behind the scenes, the hidden hand of control to create the circuses for us to attend and give us the illusion that we're thinking for ourselves. They've got their agents everywhere putting out these, this propaganda. You can see it right now all over the place. There's feds and intel operatives all over this movement, top to bottom. Um, I know, I'll tell you really quickly a, a story in a minute. Maybe I should finish my thought here, but um, I'll tell you a story because I've run into this with direct experience a couple of times where you have basically the illusion that a we're going to solve this through political means by just getting the right candidates in and all that kind of stuff which is not to say we shouldn't work on the political level of trying to get you know good people in there and all that but it's not gonna it's not gonna bypass what i'm gonna tell you okay it's not gonna beat that might get us ahead us a few feet but it's not gonna take us the whole way because that's their that's their ground. They created that left-wing paradigm. What do you think that is? Symbolically, <laughs> we're talking Nazism, which means Vatican, which means Roman Empire. Well, what's the symbol? It's the it's the big bird. It's the phoenix. It's the eagle. It's the which is a it can be a beautiful symbol. But don't forget, these can be warped as well for other purposes by psychopaths who interpret them differently than maybe the original architects of those symbols were interpreting them. So you have the right wing the wing of a bird, and the left wing controlled by the same brain. This was something Gerard Griffin pointed out to me a long time ago. 
And that's that's how the game is played, is it's the divide and conquer. See, instead of uniting a country like America or Canada around a set of principles or maybe a constitution and a set of laws that restricts what the government can do to you as an individual and can also restrict what some tribe or some local mob or some local group or school board or police association or something, there's got to be something that restricts what the masses can do to you if you want to live in a free society. Because on one day, everybody's happy-go-lucky in this socialist utopia where we're just all one family working towards the same cause. And then a few people go, you're not working for that cause anymore. You're thinking for yourself. You're challenging our doctrine. Us, the group, the we. And so now you are the enemy. And aren't you seeing it? I'm seeing it. I'm in here trying to do objective research. And the minute I come out and go, I've got some refutations to some of these popular trends that are going on in our movement right now. I got a different way of taking it. All of a sudden, what am I called? Oh, you're an, uh, you're an agent. You're a shill. You're this. You're probably a, this, a psyop or whatever. And you're like, no, I just disagree with you. I just have a different take. Not good? Nope. What do they do? Bring all their buddies in and off you go. Get rid of the heretic. This is human nature and they know this. So what do they do? They create, they custom make different brands of various ideologies. All of those ideologies underpinning them is the same ideology, which is their ideology. The, or let's just say not even theirs, but it's the ideology that serves the tiny few elites. Okay. But it's sold to you as difference. It's like brands. It's like the idea of media that we've learned so much about that. You got all these different media companies and television channels. You got Fox News, CNN, CBC, CTV. You got all these different news agencies. But what did we see during the pandemic? What did we have? What have we seen? What do we see during the Gulf War, the invasion of Iraq? All the same media organizations, which are supposed to have different takes and independent journalism, and we're thinking for ourselves, and we're just showing you the facts, but they're all singing from the same song sheet. They're all coming out, and they're supporting what? The government narrative. All heretics from the government narrative are fact-checked and censored out of your view. So then the public square, the mortarboard square that you wear when you graduate from one of their schools, They've got that cinched and they know how to rule your mind with this divide and conquer. And they know how to keep you um, chasing the carrots to think, oh, uh, in order to get away from the um, evils of the left, we have to go to the right or vice versa. When in the end, it's like, no, no, no. It's the common enemy are these controllers who don't give a damn about you and don't care about left, right or Christian, Jew, Muslim or any of that stuff. That's all marketplace. These guys have their own allegiances. This is the argument in occult conspiracy and other work I've done. They have their own allegiances to other cults, other ideas, other political concepts. And on the front, they're selling you what they know you will react to. But they don't personally necessarily on all levels. I mean, it is compartmentalized. But on all levels, especially at the top, they don't bite down on any of that stuff. They know it's utter nonsense. They, they advocate for it because they are advocating for you to start advocating for it. And here we are living in the proof that is in the pudding all around us. So I think that what we're dealing with are groups of people that have flown above the different divisions of humanity that in many ways invented and created a lot of those divisions 
You were born into this world with zero knowledge of this history, and then were raised with one of those or multiple. And then you're now divided against everybody that's not part of your little group. It's even see, we're even seeing this right now. If you don't agree with the people that have a particular theory about COVID or people that have a different theory about it, what are you? You're their enemy now. Yet we're all on the same side that the government overreached and there's a big pharma agenda and the vaccine is damaged. We still agree on some of the central points, but you were fighting and squabbling over a bunch of absolute unimportant nonsense. In my opinion, right now, I mean, we should suss that we got to get to the facts and I think it's good to have debate and I like having different theories, but I'm saying there's difference between arguing different theories and having like all out war and division against people that are supposedly all working towards the same thing and fighting the same common enemy. And this can, this division is endless and that's not just, we can't just blame this on the, on the uh, people running the shop. It's us that has to wake up and, and realize, oh my God, we're, we're being pulled into a divide and rule strategy that's as old as history and that works every time for some reason and we still haven't worked it out. So the good news is we can pull out of this and zoom out and get the 40,000 foot view anytime we want and realize, ah, okay, we've been led by the nose down a bunch of different corridors that led nowhere and actually it's all being run and orchestrated by the same forces and when you go through history and i'm going to show it to you you're going to see that there is something behind all of these isms that is not of the thing but is of its own thing and it simply uses these various latest things to its advantage to play you like a fiddle and um so specifically getting into this we're talking about nazism here the reason i'm bringing this up is that there's a very popular trope that came online early mid 2000s and we started getting all these documentaries coming out there talking about how oh it turns out guys that it, hitler and the nazis were the good guys they were working for the good they were the good guys fighting the bad evil um jewish bankers or whatever and uh the, the whole all of history is just a twisted lie of course there is a lot of lies in history there are a lot of lies about that period of time and there's a lot of lies about what really went down and all that. And we totally get it because you got to remember the longer time, the, the more time that accrues between the events have happened, say world war II, just as an example. And now is a lot of time. And the more time that goes on, the more div divide, dividing theories can come forward. And a lot of also a lot of lies can come out there and people can just sink their teeth into it. And they can't understand the context of these bigger discussions about it. So there is a lot to be learned about it. And there are some points on all sides here. But the thing is, is that um, what I'm here to tell you is that that whole concept, uh, we need to we need to really get in there and, and look at that, because that to me is just absolute and total nonsense. And it's a it's a carrot on a stick that's very attractive. And uh, but when you get into the base of it and you find out what's behind the rise of Nazism, uh, you're going to start to see that what we're talking about here is the rise of socialism. That's really the connecting tissue. So let me just pull up a couple of these slides and then I got a few video clips and we're going to go, we're just going to get into it. Oh, and before I do that, actually, let me show you, I have collected a, hopefully I can just pull this right up. I think I got to go window. Yeah, here it is. Okay, let's, I'll just show this so you can go. If you go to my Telegram, 
DW Truth Warrior. This is where I collect all my notes. I get long form post opportunities here. So I mostly post all this stuff here. Um, I put this little Hitler and the Nazis were really the good guys like this whole time, bro. Debunking starter pack for you to start to dive into. Uh, there's loads of links getting into the occult history, the Thule Society. Um, these are these documentaries like Europa, Last Battle, you know, Amateur Hour on steroids. If you know what you're looking at and you can go in and, you know, there's people that have gone in and took, took it apart, um, you know, getting into the history of some of these projects like Pro Project Monarch, the founding of the CIA, the founding of the Club of Rome, the founding of the Knights of Malta, the links to the Vatican, America's secret establishment, you know, Professor Anthony Sutton. We got some more to talk about in terms of his work in exposing the financiers behind Nazism and Bolshevism and FDR at the same time, etc. Uh, you have the uh, changing, I got all kinds of links on liberal fascism, was Hitler a leftist, the whole thing, right? So just, you know, stuff that maybe you've never seen before, but, uh, you know, you might want to check out before you conclude your mind on the subject at the very least. But let's go here. So yeah, go to DW Truth Wire is there in the, on my, on my, on my feed there. Okay. Now, what I did today was just sort of organize some of my notes. I put together some slides. Some of them are, maybe might not look the best, but I just kind of whipped this together last night. And uh, But here's some of the notes, okay? So the one key thing that is never really thought about or discussed with this idea that, uh, oh, we've just been totally lied to and um, the Nazis were really the good guys or whatever, is that we have to understand that if we look at these things as experiments, it starts to make a little bit more sense for me anyways. If we think of the, what happened in communist Russia as an experiment by these dynastic geopolitical black nobility families, call it what you want, uh, then we can also look at what happened in Germany and in Italy, in Africa, I didn't even get into Africa, uh, and in many places that were necessary experiments for them to understand what is the best brand to achieve total control because they understand something here. Okay. Hold on. Let me just, I got to keep, I don't want to read this yet. You got to understand something. We're not all the same. Contrary to public popular opinion, human beings have different brains, different upbringings, different, um, psychological drives even amongst races of people, even amongst demographics and cultures, there's many differences. I think that's that's obvious. I personally love those differences. I love the fact that we're different. I don't like this agenda that's trying to create pure, so much pluralism that you can't, you're not going to have different kinds of humans anymore. You're just going to have the same blob of the same thing. And their argument's going to be, well, this is how we're going to stop wars. But of course, that's always their argument. You're, you're going to try to radically alter the organic human which is the ultimate agenda. Um, but they don't see it like that, these people that run it. So what they have to do is go, well, if we're going to bring our brand of socialism, okay, and there's many brands, just so you know, there's many different brands of this word socialism, okay? That's why when I say it, people get triggered, and I'm like, hey, you got to know what we're talking about. I'm talking about the brands of socialism that were built and forged in the bellies of various secret society networks throughout history, starting back with the Templars. We're going to get to that. Okay. Before we talk about the new Templars and the evolution of this thing, but 
when you realize that you realize, okay, if you need to gain full spectrum dominance of the chessboard and all the different public square of thinking and all the cultural identities and the whole thing, you need to have a way in and the way in is you send missionary groups, quote unquote, which are just people that are uh, working on behalf of a particular ideology to come in and try to speak the language of the natives, to speak the language of the people that live there. I'm just using this as a metaphor to convert them to this foreign ideology that you want to inject into that, into that culture for whatever reason. Maybe it's a good reason. Maybe it's a bad reason. Let's just leave that aside. This is just the modus operandi that I'm talking about. So you send your people in through various means, get some publishing companies, get some writers, get some celebrities, fund them to the tune of millions, put them out in the big lights, get them advocating for certain ideas. And then what happens is you can start to persuade people that have other belief systems within their culture, other traditions within their, the behind the gates of their nation. And you can persuade them to rebel against those things. This was clearly laid out by the interview with Yuri Bezmenov, the former KGB defector that was brought over by Gilbert Griffin um, to talk about how the communists worked and how they operated, which is just another brand of socialism that we're going to get to. Okay. And so you need to get your people in to put their hooks in you so that you think, well, we're on this team. So this is what happened in Germany. The Germans thought, oh, well, we have a better version of socialism than those pesky Russians. That's for the low class. That's for the poor. That's for those that are never going to want to see anybody get above them. They're riddled with envy of anybody that has more. They don't have the IQ or the education to really understand what's going on. And so we needed to build a brand for the low, the lowest common denominator, the workers, the blue collars. That's how I'm just saying how they think of it. I'm not trying to insult anybody. This, these people hate you all, <laughs> all, all of us equally. Okay. Um, but that's how they think they go. Okay. We need to create a brand and do an experiment in Russia because we have the right demographic of people. And we're going to mold that brand of our type of global political philosophy into them by appealing to that denominator. Okay. Then you got the guys in Germany that are coming from the industrial mentality, you know, before Nazis came into play, Germany was on its way to becoming the new America. Right. And, you know, great philosophy, you know, right. Human rights, the whole thing. And it was on its rise, uh, very industrious people, and so they went, we got to shut that down. British government, the British MI6 and the Illuminati behind them, they're like, we can't have another competing faction in Germany. We already have to deal with these Americans that, that uh, you know, won their freedom or whatever for a day at least. We've already infiltrated them. And then now we got to deal with Germany. We had to take down Russia. We had to take down the Tsar of Russia because Russia is a big landmass. We got to take those resources. Um, we're going to have a different brand that we're going to sell to the Germans. Then we're going to sell the Russians. Cause if we brought Russian communism into Germany, Germans would never take that shit ever. Just the way that people are, they're not, their history is different. Their genetics are different. Their thinking is different. So they went, we need to create a new brand of it. And so that is how they do it is they've got a brand for that group. They've got a brand for that group. They got a brand for that group. They got a brand for the people in the East. They got a brand for the people in the Middle East. There's your Muslim brotherhood and the many liaisons between Islam and Nazism that a lot of people don't know about. We've covered this on unslaved. Um, and 
also the Tibet connection and everything else. And the way I've started to look at it all is when you zoom out of all of that, and it took me years to get through it all, you start to realize, oh, they're just selling people different brands of the same doctrine in the end, the same modus operandi, this, they're playing on the same emotions of envy, of all these things, and they know how to play like a fiddle. So they had to do designer packages for different cultures, okay? So here we go. Let me just read the note I had on this. So the communist experiment was a brand of socialism and totalitarianism, because that's what it is designed to capture the minds and hearts of the lower brow working class, whereas Nazism and fascism were designed for the middle and the upper classes. This is the piece that nobody's really into, right? They don't talk about this. They were both forged, as I demonstrated in the uh, occult conspiracy, they were both forged within the secret societies of Europe. And I've got the names, dates, and addresses put in that presentation for you if you want the details. And they, fin they were financed by literally, and we have the receipts, the actual receipts, the bank transfers, the formation of certain banks, the names, everything, okay? They were all financed simultaneously by American, British, and Swiss bankers. And I don't even like putting American, British, Swiss because we're not talking about Americans. We're not talking about British. And we're not talking about Swiss people. We're talking about cult members flying those flags in those areas. So we had cult members playing the role of Americans financing, cult members playing the role of British people and cult members playing the role of Swiss people that were behind the financing of these different experiments. So the same banks who banked on behalf of the dynastic black nobility families, that's who we're talking about. We're not talking about a few Jewish cults we're going to get to some more specifics on that because there's a lot of nonsense about that out there that people don't understand. It goes way bigger than you think because there's something missing from this conversation, which is that there is a major Vatican connection to the Nazis as well, to all of this, okay, to all of this. And we can't even, if we can't get there, you can't even get into the weeds of the arguments with people because they're still stuck on the political level. They're still stuck on, well, we got to, We've got to look at it from only this political level here. It's just the left versus right now. It's not. That's a game that they know how to play. So actually, before we do this, this would be a good time to play the clip. So I've uh, prepared a little clip from one of my favorite or premium presentations that uh, Michael put together on Unslaved. And let me just uh, show you where you can get the whole thing. If there's anything I can recommend to understand the subject we're getting in today, this presentation is so good. It's about three and a half hours long. Um, there's a few that I can recommend. But the reason it's so good is because of the amount of sources and direct quotes. That's why it's so good. It, it's a good presentation, no doubt. But the reason it's so good is the amount of sources that are going to go with this will blow your mind. You'll be here for months going through this material. Okay. If you want to really get an idea, look at the primary references here, getting into the fool society, the Vril, the Teutons, Ariosophy, who invented it? What's it really all about? The German orders, the history, the uh, getting into the Teutonic Knights. Then you're getting into the history of all these isms, the rise of the Nazi party, and then particular 
names of people. Haljmar Schlatt, Fritz Tyson, Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, the founder of the Bilderberg Group, Guido von List, George Lanz, Rudolf Gorzenblen. I can't even turn around some of these. Karl Haushofer, we're going to talk about that. Rudolf von Steppendorf, Cistercian monk behind the rise of occult Nazism and many, many more. Hermit, you know, on and on. So you can get the history of all of these guys, the history of eugenics. Where did it come from? What was the true story about the night of the long knives? What was that really all about? You know, the rise of the Ottoman Empire. How does that piece of history play into what happened in Europe in the 20th century? And then getting into these suggested books. I have all these books. Have you read these books? Nazis and the Supernatural, The Occult Roots of Nazism, Conjuring Hitler, The Hitler Book. We're going to talk about that. This one's phenomenal, The Hitler Book. Uh, actually reading Mein Kampf, reading it. And, and getting into it and going, oh, man, it's all right there in your face, they're telling you. Getting into the secret history of the Jesuits, the Vatican connection to the Nazi enterprise. Churchill. Then going into history, you know, and then others. So just a wealth of information. Can't recommend it enough. Another one that is um, really, really good is called The Brotherhood of Death, if you're on there. So for Unslaved, it's a premium I think it's about 12 bucks a month, but it's more than worth it. And if you get it, you get it for a month. You don't have to stay on the subscription if you don't want to, although there's a wealth of information there. You can just get this. And in one month, watch the Fool Society, watch the Brotherhood of Death. There's a few others I could recommend. Take the notes, record the links, and get busy. And uh, you will have a wealth of knowledge at your disposal that will rival anybody out there. Anybody out there. There's very few people that talk on this level about this. So with that, I have a little clip here. It went a little longer than I uh, expected, but it's so good. I need these points to be made. I had invited Michael to come on, but he was busy. So uh, he gave me permission to just play a little teaser for you of this incredible presentation. So I'll let him make some comments and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about this. key to understanding today's presentation is just to remember that this oddball organization, the Knights Templar, the fourth sect behind them, was politically socialist. There's an incredible tie-in here between the ancient epochs and ancient world and ancient machinations and this extraordinary scenario of Germany in the Second World War and the First World War. And I don't think the pieces are all there until you get this piece, that the oddball group that we're talking about was was Politically speaking, if you have to step down to the political milieu, then these are leftists, these are liberals, uh, the, these are arch-socialists. It'll make sense of, of, of all the things that went on even in the Second World War and the rise of Nazism. Of course, back in the old days when this sect came out of Parthia, the House of Edessa, and they moved to Syria, yeah, they're marrying in with Jewish families. They probably had done so even in Parthia. They probably didn't have to wait till they got to the Palestine and the Middle East. But... As far as Ralph Ellis is concerned, at that point, families are merging. This is no way to indict Judaism. We're talking about few select, high, probably highly occult, given that the origins of both the groups we're talking about is actually Seti and Atonist. You can take it as a given that you're talking about advocates of occult doctrines, high priests. It's where a lot of the etymology comes from that still turns up in the world. We'll look at one instance of that in just a second. But because of the Setian Atonist original connection, 
then I don't care who you've got, House of Edessa, a, a Jewish component, uh, the Nazarene connection, it wouldn't matter. There are now going to be occult undercurrents in all of their behavior. In all of it. In fact, wait a minute, aren't they, what does the word occult even mean? These people are occult in the fullest sense of the word because they've concealed their identity. There is enough occultism for you, for one lecture. They're occult in the, in the most extreme way because they've concealed their identities for, for uh, centuries. Uh, although they have also worked behind obvious fronts. First of all, occultism and masonry. This will also help to understand that we are talking about secret societies, sometimes popping their heads up sometimes popping their heads up on the social stage or the public stage. But let's go to the next one of the etymology I was thinking of here. Yeah, is it by accident that the word Nazi itself has its closest der derivation for Nazi, a word in the Hebrew lexicon, which means priest or Kohen, a community leader, particularly with uh, priestly duties to perform, a very eminent? Could it be that the word Nazi actually is a diminutive of Nazarene? And you know who the Nazarenes are? Well, we just said the fourth sect. That's just coincidence, of course. It's just coincidence that the fourth sect of Nazarenes, the diminutive of that word is Nazi, linked also to Nazi. And what are we talking about here? You want direct connections? The etymology is always going to provide it. The word donates a Jewish high priest. Well, we know there's many priestarchies, Order of Melchizedek, the Kohanim, the priests of the Temple of Solomon. There are all sorts of different uh, sects. But as to, as to their nature, let's go to their own words. This is a key thing to do. From Joseph Goebbels, the Minister of Propaganda of the Nazis, he says, Our struggle against Bolshevism is not a struggle against, but on the contrary, for socialism. What did I just say? A struggle inspired by the deep conviction that true socialism can only be realized if the most vulgar and most compromising offspring of socialism is first eliminated. And he went, he, he and others went on about this. So, wait a minute, we haven't even caught up in the world today to realize they are socialistic. No, they were fascists. Define that, please. Well, that's where I'm off, mate. I can't. Fascism is the type of socialism that interests the middle class and is targeted to the middle class and maybe even higher up the ladder than that. Communism is custom made for the working class who don't like anybody above their own station. So it has to have a So socialism has been broken up into different We haven't even got that yet outside of enslaved and the people we've dealt with and your great writers that we try to feature here. The general world hasn't twigged this at all. And right, and that's why they're in a mess. So what is Goebbels talking about here, one of the lead Nazi ideologists? Revised socialism. The Bolshevik thing doesn't look like it's working. We're going to fight to the death to get it to, to work. We want it to be plain. We want it to be simple. We want it to, to be direct. And we, we have a challenge. Yes, the working class always accept the socialism in the lowest broad form. But our challenge is to see if we can get socialism to be accepted by even up to the level of industrialists, the great philanthropists, the artists, the middle class, the housewife. So that means that we've been had in the 20th century because these points we're making right now have not even been pointed out in the mainstream. And, and even in the non-mainstream, they've hardly been pointed out. 
Think of the way that Nazism is normally portrayed in the media and described. And my goodness, even in a program like this, how could we ever move ahead unless this is completely computed? Together with the fact that all socialistic paradigms are being renovated, even the ones in Ireland, as we said, they jumped all over the place. It looked all, you know, straightforward or, or, or to numbskulls. But the secret societies themselves, Sinn Féin, IRA, they were moving goalposts all the time to find the right setting. It's not even a bad thing. It's like, it's a necessary thing as you find out the paradigm that suits everybody, all in sundry. Well, in Nazi Germany, it was the same. Socialism as an entity is not one entity. It's a model and it's always being revised. They have their system. The other guys down the street have their system. Eventually, they'll, they're like gangs. They'll kick the ass of each other. And, and, and you'll only see what will happen after a period of time. Who comes out the stronger? And the one that does it will be the one who uh, rakes it all in. So what this means is that socialists are the true fascists. Didn't 2020 teach us that? I mean, there's no conversation in, until that has been completely computed. But when it comes to Goebbels himself, the man we've just read for, from, there's actually rumors that he was Jewish himself. His wife was Jewish. He was an author. He had written several novels. Very cosmopolitan. If you've read his novels and knew about him before he joined the Nazi party, you would never, ever think of this man as some sort of fascist or ultra-conservative. He used to be called, his nickname in school was Rabbi. So at the very least, we can agree he's a Sabbatean. But let's go to the next one. There's another extraordinary quote. Heartwarming words. A time of brutality approaches of which we ourselves can have absolutely no conception. Indeed, we are already in the middle of it. We shall only reach our goal if we have enough courage to destroy, laughingly to shatter what we once held holy, such as tradition, upbringing, friendship, and human love. Does that sound familiar? Well, he's saying it out, right? There's no prevarication. There's no Ote uh, Cortez uh, trying to blindside you. This is straight up. There's going to be hell to pay. We're going to, we're going to bring down chaos upon your heads for our agenda, which is to wipe away all traditions. Does that sound like a conservative to you? I mean, why have we been so incredibly uh, thick with this? They're not conservatives. Now, not to mention the fact that the very quote there is textbook psycho psychopathy. But it clearly shows you that this organization to which he belonged was planning something. They were preparing for something violent. And we'll, we'll see we'll see what that was and what the sinister agenda behind it was also. Uh, because there's a lot more going on than just politics on the surface. But that rhetoric, who who do we know was about to fall foul of those aspirations of violence? Go to the next one. Who always falls foul? Right, the Jewish population. With these Goebbels and others throwing at you the Jewish peril. You can look that word up, the Jewish peril. And wheel it out every time when you need to distract and when you need the classic scapegoat. And this, there was over 100 anti-Semitic societies in Germany at this time and spreading even more because of the low brows uh, detesting those who'd done well for themselves, detesting capitalism. It's as simple as that. But this is a minute demographic of the world's population. It's a minute demographic in Germany. 
So they did well for themselves. So what? You can't leap from that to telling you that they're the world conspirators. We've already dealt with that in other programs. The fourth sect is the world conspirator, the real Jewish Nazis. But they take a vulnerable group that they don't give a damn about because they're Sabbateans and the other ones are authentic. You know, God-loving, pious people. Well, they're going to suffer. Somebody has to. You pick a minority group that's easy for people to hate. Well, it's even easier if you know bugger all about history to fall for this one, which so many people have done. But you see, if you read deep, these same Nazis were also targeting the supreme upper class. We talked about middle class. Well, who's above the middle class? The Nazis, there's more diatribes against the aristocracy in Hitler's Mein Kampf and other Jew, in other Nazi writings than there ever is about the Jews. Even in Mein Kampf, which is cited again to be this big anti-Semitic book. Yeah, he's got a chapter in there on the Jewish question. The book never, it's this thick because the most of it is in diatribes against the aristocracy. Tell me what is conservative about that. And all the way through the book, you can get that it's a question of envy, that it's a question of uh, easily exploiting the ones who've made it already by confiscating their wealth, which is what the Nazis did throughout Europe. Playing upon that deep-seated hatred which is nothing but really envy for the most part. It's not that all Jews are just you know made of gold and great people. No, there's, they, they have their dark side as well to a degree. But it's, the Gentile role in world criminology far exceeds anything Jews have ever concocted. And if you're going to have to talk about Jews, as we've shown so many times before, then talk about the right group, the ones that are serving the black nobility. But in order to get their Nazification mandate out into the streets of the lowbrow, they adopted many uh, tools. And one of them was this anti-Semitism. Before 1919, 1921, Hitler's friends don't ever remember him saying one thing against the Jews. In fact, he was a lover of Jewish composing and uh, Jewish comedy. It's only after he met some of the figures that we're going to talk about that then he started to introduce uh, anti-Semitic uh, diatribes into his rhetoric. Hitler comes to power, gets his first taste of power in about 1921. Try to remember that. It's, it's sort of a milestone year. And it begins the start of a 12-year nightmare rule. They talked about the thousand-year Reich. Well, guess what? It lasted about 12 years. But it couldn't have done so without behind-the-scenes assistance monetarily. And there are writers out there who give a good account of that. Helga, Helga LaRouche, of course, the great Anthony Sutton, uh, I would say Eustace Mullins, and, and others as well. Although... Although in the mainstream, the true facts about that financing hasn't really come to light you know, in the mainstream. But here's three names. Let's go to the next one. Here's three names that we absolutely must know. Yeah, so Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, Dutch-German, multimillionaire. Helmar Schlack, because each of these people can be studied online. And Franz von Papen. Now, at least... Two of these people are Knights of Malta. So if that doesn't make your skin crawl right off the top. All right. So there you go. Longer clip. Um, wanted to get all that in there <clears throat> just to give you some of the main points here is that you start to get the idea that these people are used. Useful idiots run everything, right? On behalf of the people that aren't so much, so much of an idiot. Um, and they get in 
by way of knowing how to speak the specific jargon that is going to appeal to that demographic. And that is an art form that must be mastered if you're going to get world dominion for sure. So you've got forces behind, first of all, you got occult forces. There's that. So you got the whole story about who financed it. You got the, uh, the fake facade that they put over it as to what the motivations really were. Nobody talks about the Vatican connections and where that whole thing would lead. But you have the occult connection as well. And you have the connection to a lot of very ancient secret societies. So the Knights of Malta, okay, we're going to get into that. This is something that I look at in Cult of the Medics. And these are the progenitors of everything you've known with Big Pharma and the whole modern medical system, the Rockefellers, you know, all, these are all these people are all coming from these very, uh, very elite families, but many of them were members of various secret societies that have their own doctrines that are completely separate from anything they're going to sell in the public square. So now if I go to this list here, so if we get in a, a few here, so this is just a picture of Hitler shaking hands with Knights of Malta and Vatican members, the main, you know, progenitors of the whole thing. Uh, you got Karl Haushofer, who was one of the main Eastern Illuminati agents, who was actually sent into the Far East to be liaisons between the Nazi order and the Eastern serpent cults. If you remember that, there are many expeditions to the East. Um, there's actually a few hints of this in even the John Wick films, if you know what you're looking at. You got Von Papen, who was mentioned. He was a Knight of Malta and was actually the guy that was the ambassador of Germany for the Vatican. So he secured Vatican approval of the Nazi party. Then you have the infiltration of socialism into the Catholic Church, 1860 to 1890. And you have this thing coming out called Catholic socialism. And if you want to know the history of um, there's sort of a changing of the guard. Michael was mentioning, we just come back for a minute. Michael, Michael was mentioning something about the fourth sect. Okay. The fourth sect of the ancient cults. And then there's the fifth sect. So these are rival sects that were born out of the same original cults that all go back to dynastic Egypt. Um, and then that gets into the whole discussion of who are the ISIS raw Lites versus who are what we think of today as religious Orthodox Jews, two different groups. That's another earth shattering um, discovery to get into. And this is why we got to get specific because it's so easy to just have a punching bag and go, oh, it's this, it's that, it's that. But no, it's much deeper. But you've got these different sects. And if you want to get into the battle of what happened behind the walls of the Vatican, you can get into people like Baron Avril Manhattan, who was literally, he was an Italian aristocrat. He was in the Knights of Malta. He saw what was going on behind the scenes and he came out and he whistle blew it in numerous books. And I can't recommend the books enough. There's many others that came out and whistle blew about the Vatican. I've mentioned before, you got Malachi Martin, you've got, um, Oh my God, there's many, many. I think I did this in chapter six, gone into some of those names of the whistleblowers. You even have them today coming out of the Vatican to talk about the fact that it's loaded with satanic pedophiles. And satanic, when you hear that term, that's just code for Setian, Setian Atonist. This goes back to ancient Egypt, the worship of the black sun. Uh, it all comes out of there. This is also why the Nazis were obsessed with going to the East to try to find a lot of those relics. Um, 
but yeah, you definitely have to look at the history of the war that happened behind the scenes in the Vatican. There's an article on Michael Tessarian website. If you go to michaeltessarian.com, you look up articles, two articles you should be reading over there. If you want to get the details on this and the sources, you got to read Jews and Templars, the untold story. Okay. Then you also have to read something called the red papacy. It's all documented in there along with the sources and the books. And he's got Manhattan in there and other guys as well that you can read about. Uh, keep in mind, 19 is just some of my notes. Keep in mind, 1917 of November is the date the Bolsheviks revolt in Russia was led by the Bolshevik party leader, Vladimir Lenin. Just kind of giving you some chronology. Uh, this globalist infrastructure led by the Vatican and its secret society orders was already established well before the rise of Stalinist Russia or Hitler's Germany. And don't forget that Mussolini himself, who really didn't like Hitler's uh, version of it at all, um, but he was also just, he was a Knight of Malta. So he was also just another, another pawn. All were globalist experiments. All of these were globalist experiments to determine the best way. What's the goal of it? The best way to maintain power, maintain power over various populations and demographics. And then you find out that all were financed through British and American banks and corporations that were all led by Vatican agents. So now we're seeing some common denominators here. Now, we talk about the Order of the New Templars. That wasn't my name for it. That's actually the name of it. Uh, let me get my image out of the way so I can. So this is George Lanz von Liebenfels. It's a code name, actually, of the fascist agitator Adolf Joseph Lanz. Uh, this is him here. He was the one that sort of brought everything together into a doctrine. And he coined the term the order of the new Templars. That's what the Nazis were meant to be in the original uh, draft of it. So here's just a little write up on it. The order of the new Templars, Ordo Nova, Novi Templi was a proto-fascist secret society in Germany founded by George Lanz von Liebenfels. And Lanz used this order to spread his ideas, which he, it weren't just his ideas. He was obviously commissioned, uh, which he initially referred to as Theozoology or Aereo Christianity and from 1915 as Ariosophy. The order combined esoteric piety with concepts of racial science and eugenics. And this is all documented. You can go read right from the man himself, which were modern at the time. It was modeled after the Catholic military order of the Knights Templar and was similar in its hierarchical structure to the order of Cistercians, which had trained the new Templars founder, Adolf Lance. Did you see that? I wanted you to really pick that little bit up because if you know about what we've done in the past on Unslaved and even on this show, I've talked about it, who the Cistercian, Cistercians were, these were the guys that were the clerics or the, uh, the holders of the knowledge, the keepers of the knowledge of the Templars. The Templar knights themselves were just knights. They were knights. They were good at battle. They were good at finance and banking, but their, their expertise was in the battlefield. The people that really ran the, when, and the Templars are heralded as being the first international bankers, right? Well, it wasn't the Templar Knights. They were simply the front military arm of the Cistercian order. That was the group behind them. And then when the Vatican went out and purged the Templars, that was all smoke and mirrors because they didn't purge the Cistercians who went underground, went to Switzerland, went to uh, America, went everywhere, and they're underground. Uh, as essentially the holders of this lost archive that was discovered by the Templars during their crusades, where they started to blend Western mysticism with Eastern mysticism 
And that's the founding of what you now call masonry. And those lineages go back to Egypt once again, Egypt and Samaria. So Lanza's goal was to bring right-wing extremists in post-World War I Germany together and mobilize them in opposition to liberal society. Members used code names to hinder any chance of betrayals, and the order would later provide support to the rise of Nazism. The founder, Lanz, was the ideologist and political agitator of the group, justifying violence by punishments such as castration. I'm hearing a lot about castration lately. In order to establish fascism in Germany and defend it against communism. And again, two gangs fighting over the same turf. Remember that fascism was for the upper class, communism for the lower class. So that's really what the battle was about. Lanz intended the organization to be to be put organization to put an end to the racial conflict between supposedly higher bred master class and lower bred animal people and to enforce it by force up to the castration knife and so on and on i'm not going to bore you with more on that but go and read about the order of the new templars because this is where it basically if you think about it you go underground this is what happened to the templars you go underground and not just the templars again the cistercians the the clerics behind them they go underground they resurface in various guises, and this is one of the resurfacings. And this is why the Nazis employed the symbolism of the Templars, because that was their progenitors. So they're just rebranding it, just like they rebranded a new form of the socialism. And why socialism? I mean, I've talked about this a lot in other shows, but socialism can just be decoded as one leash for many necks. Under the nice sheep's clothing of oh it's for equality and we're just a nation trying to take care of each other in times of need well why can't you take care of each other through charity why do you have to use the threat the uh, a monopolistic government to extract resources from the population with the threat of force which is what socialism turns into and then you see the historical examples of every socialist experiment we can possibly imagine in every form and variation i even did and it, it all falls apart and turns into poverty, genocide, misery, the whole thing. I even did a thing in uh, chapter four of a podcast series I did years ago called Cults of Death and Power, where we get into the political cults. And I go into a whole history of the roots of socialism in the medieval period, where it actually came from, the people that thought it up, and the similarities between uh, that version of socialism, which was the version brought underground into the secret societies, and then came out later with all these different brands through Marx, through the Nazis, through all these different groups. And that we're still seeing being put in front of us today under different names. So now they're getting you to fight over, oh, was it the fascist or the communist or this or that? Nope. That's all for the common marketplace. It was the main ideology that they were trying to inject was a totalitarian collectivistic doctrine that doesn't serve the people. It only sounds like it does. It serves these power brokers and mafias and cults. Because there's, this is the other thing we have to understand. When you, when you start, when I come out and start talking and critiquing socialism, people can get up in arms because they're thinking, well, are you against the brotherhood of man? Are you against coming together to support each other, you know, and all that, um, and reappropriating wealth and all that? And I'm like, no, no, there's there's a difference between political ideology that has a set of rules that go with it and give government a certain amount of reign and other, alter other methods that you can use to absolutely be able to take care of those in needs in your society. These arguments have already been put out <laughs> by far greater minds than me.
Um, so, you know, you can read about that. If you notice, it's the same argument as what you're getting with these vaccines today, where you're saying, I don't, I don't like this vaccine, right? Let's just use it as an example. I don't like this particular vaccine. It was rushed to production. Uh, we've got all kinds of case study now that show that it's causing all these damaging effects. And, uh, I don't want to take this particular vaccine and people are like, oh, so you're against saving lives. That's the false equivalency that happens in the mind of somebody who's brainwashed by this stuff. And you go, no, no, I want to save lives. I just don't think that this particular vaccine being forced on the public is the way to save lives. I believe it's the opposite of that. And so I still want to save lives. I'm not a bad person that wants to see people suffer and die. I just don't buy that singular solution to the problem that they're trying to sell you. That's my difference. But they want to keep the argument about morality and virtue and whether or not you are you care about saving somebody that's gotten a compromised immune system or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a lot better ways that we can achieve optimal health in the population than leaning on big pharma. A lot better ways, other solutions. So it's the same argument with this. When you start critiquing socialism, people start thinking, oh, you don't want to take care of the little guy. And then they start calling you fascist. And this is what the modern left does. And you say, no, 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 I want to take care of the little guy, but I just have a different philosophy. God helps those who help themselves. So we should be raising our children to learn how to help themselves. And we should be operating through free trade and charity, which means it's voluntary. I'm not going to be forced to give my money. Look what they're doing right now. They're extracting your tax dollars. They're raising the prices of food and gas and everything else. And what are they doing with that money? Under the name of, oh, we're just helping the good guy. We got to help people in Ukraine. We got to help people in Africa. We got to help over here. You're like, yeah, what about the people living on the street in my own country? We're going to help them? No? Oh, okay. Why? It's because it's a lie and it's just a convenient package, right? So it just it's the same with these political doctrines. You got to watch for it. Now, continuing on here, we got to get into the history of where this came from. And Michael was hinting at it. He's talking about the Templars, okay? The Templars, the Cistercians, okay? Tracking back to the fourth sect, tracking back to ancient Egypt. And you can track it. We're not even talking genetics and bloodlines. We're talking ideology. We're talking cult doctrine. Where did these ideas originate? Nobody made them up in the 20th century. Hitler didn't make it up. Marx didn't write the Communist Manifesto and make it up. These are commissioned people. Who made it up? Well, it wasn't even the secret societies during, say, the French Revolution or anything like that. They got it from their predecessors who come out of the ancient world. That's where you got to track it. Where did they come from? Well, follow the symbolism. So you got the Templars and you look at the doctrine, socialistic in nature. The Nazis deemed themselves the New Templars. The New Templar Order created in Germany at the time was created by a Cistercian monk, which was the clerical order behind the Templars. Is that a coincidence? And then I'll get my face out of the way so you can see this diagram. I know it's pretty small. I put it up on the cover. Actually, I got a better image of it just by itself with no letters on it. You can see this is just a rough sketch of the Masonic hierarchies. And you can see it's loaded with the Order of the Knights of Malta, way up close to the top, but not quite the top. Order of the Knights Templar Commandery that goes up higher. And you got your Shriners. 
You got the sublime prince of the royal secret. What is the royal secret? We should probably know about that. Like Knights of Columbus. So these are the ranking orders. And this is just the best we've got. There's many other uh, insiders that have come out to talk about the different divisions behind these different secret orders. And no, we're not talking about every single Mason. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about everybody that's a Knight of Malta or works for the World Health Organization. You got to remember that this stuff is highly compartmentalized. It's another thing people miss. That's why you can't, this is one thing that just gets me going is when you start labeling people as groups, even me, I'm saying the Templars, the this, the that. It's, it's hard. We have to use it just so we can get through to a point. But in the end, we're dealing with individual people that are joining a cult, that are joining a collectivized system of thought and, and belief. And it is that action, I believe, which is what's bringing these uh, orders into criminal means. And this is where the evil is coming from. It's coming from the fact that uh, we're getting a bunch of people together, just like some Jim Jones cult, and we're not thinking logically anymore. And we're assigning ourselves to a group, which means it's now my group against all the other groups. And that's a very quick road towards more conflict, more war, more division. And then you've got the fat cats behind the scenes that are watching this play on who've got your psychological manual sitting right in front of them at all times, and they're just laughing. That's how I see it. While we're sitting here picking squabbles with people, and we're not seeing that we all have a common enemy, all of us. So you got Herman Goring. Notice any symbols popping out at you that happen to be all over the guy's uniforms and many of these Nazis? Of course, he's the Knights of Malta sitting right there on his collar. Who are they? They're the exons of the Templars. They are the, the deputies. They were the ones that absorbed the Templar wealth when the Templars were officially disbanded. They absorbed a lot of the Templars into their order. They're still here today. They sit on the United Nations as a nation with full sovereignty and immunity. Many of these top Nazis who were directly connected to the Vatican and the Knights of Malta were brought out through what's called the Vatican rat lines after the World War. None of them saw prosecution. Many of them died in their old age. Can't remember what Goering specifically at the moment, but there was many. Uh, I'll get to another one here. How about this dude? Reinhard Galen, CIA connection, Vatican rat lines. Again, look at that on his uh, lapel. What's that symbol? Knights of Malta. While other ex-Nazis were jailed and tried for their crimes, Reinhard Galen succeeded in avoiding capture or prosecution. Although well-known in intelligence circles, Galen escaped notice and died quietly in 1979. Up until the end of his life, Galen enjoyed the protection of German and American leaders. They were willing to go overlook his Nazi past in order to use his skills, as they did many of the Nazis. As the German newspaper Der Spiegel noted decades after Galen's death, if there was ignorance on the matter, it was only because no one wanted to know. Because he's one of their boys. You got your Vatican CIA connection as well. I mean, for crying out loud, check out the logo. <laughs> it's right there. They don't hide it. It's a big club and you ain't in it. Then you got Hitler, his own statements. Anybody that's connecting to this Jesuit Vatican group is immediately suspect in my mind. I learned much from the order of the Jesuits, said Hitler. Up until now... 
there has never been anything more grandiose on the earth than the hierarchical organization of the Catholic Church. Ain't that the truth? I transferred much of this organization into my own party. I am going to let you in on a secret. I am founding an order. In my bergs of the order, we will raise up a youth which will make the world tremble. Hitler then stopped saying that he couldn't stop saying that he couldn't say anymore. Oh, I guess this is just, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how this was written. Maybe there's a typo there. Hermann uh, Rauschning, former National Socialist Chief of the Government of Danzig. Hitler, he's just showing the source of this, where he's, in the end, he's just basically saying, everything I know about how to set up a hierarchical structure came from the Jesuits. And then you have the, the Thule Society, the Vril Society, and many of these occult orders behind the philosophy of the Order of the Black Sun, which again, there's your Setian, that's the same thing from Egypt and uh, it's all right out in front of the open. And so you've got, there's a good, um, I'll put the links after for what I'm showing you today on my telegram once again. So you have some more, this is from a blog called towards a better understanding. And they're just giving you a few details here. The Nazi SS also known as the, as just the SS, which is a shortened name for the Knights of the Holy See is a Roman Catholic spiritual and military order first formed in 1933 based completely upon the Jesuit order structure. Upon the signing of the Sacred Reich Concordat, specifically through the application of the Articles 1, 12, 15, 21, and 33, interesting number, with the inaction clause of the secret supplement of the Concordat between Franz von Papen, the liaison to the Vatican and the Nazis, on behalf of the Nazis in Germany, and Cardinal Eugenio Pacelli, was Pope Pius VII. The term Nazi was first publicly used as the rebranded name for the National Socialist German Workers' Party. <laughs> it's right in the name. In 1933, upon devout Catholic leader known as Father or Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler assuming the office as German Chancellor. The Nazi SS were also formerly given birth under the Reich Concordat of 1933 with its first superior general being Reichsführer, superior father general uh, Heinrich Himmler, who personally attended the signing ceremony of the Reich Concordat in Rome in 1933. And under the Reich Concordat, the Reichsführer, having the same rank as the senior Roman Catholic cardinal, is the superior to the Fuhrer, the lay representative of the Nazi knights. So Hitler was just a puppet on a string. Not only was he a puppet in terms of the financing, but in terms of even the interior hierarchical structure. He was low on the totem pole. And you'll always know that because of whoever they wheel out in public. They're, if, they're, if you're seeing their face and saying their name, they're little they're gophers. They're nothing more than that. As a military order of the Cat Roman Catholic Church, the Knights of the Holy See, Nazi SS, are bestowed by the infallible legal orders of the Roman Pontiff on behalf of the Mother Church, Mother Circe, to wage constant holy inquisition against all heretics, including assassinations, torture, and counterintelligence, CIA, Mossad, to protect the name of the Holy Roman Catholic Church and directly represents the interests of the Holy See as its primary order of holy knights. As the primary Roman Catholic spiritual order charged with carrying out the executions of the Holy Inquisition, which never ended, the Knights of the Holy See, the Nazi SS, were tasked with rounding up large numbers of people who were heretics, depriving them of their rights on claim of being heretics, and eventually killing them. Is any of this sounding familiar? 
Now, when Michael was talking about, if you're going to say something about um, any kind of conspirators being Jewish, you got to get the right cults here, right? So these people running around just using that label, uh, they're in kindergarten, you know, in my opinion. And that's the thing. And this is why you got to get into it and go, all right, let's dig it out again. Who are the Sabbatean Frankists? Where do their allegiances lie? Are these religious Jews or are these members of occult societies that wear the cloaks of your Jewish whatever? Just as the Catholic priests are the cloaks of the Christians because we can't indict all the Christians now. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. You talk to the average Christian and you go, okay, if I show you the uh, many of the evils, many of the evils that have been done by the Catholic Church, and many even of the Protestants that nobody wants to talk about throughout history, uh, who've done great evil in this world. If I show you all the pedophile cults running behind the scenes, if I show you the history of Mithraism at the base of it all, right? Roman cults, rebrandings to get mass control. If I show you that evil, are we going to sit back and indict all Catholics and Christians as being part of the global conspiracy? And the average Christian today or the average person? No way. No, of course not. No, no, no. It's just a small select group. And I go, okay, what about the Jews then? No, yeah, we can definitely just lay blame at all of the feet of the Jews. Doesn't make any sense to me. These are front groups operating other cults that have nothing to do with what you think Christianity or Judaism or Islam or Buddhism or any of these things are. That's all marketplace. And they are wearing the sheep's clothing, operating behind those vehicles because those vehicles are uh, already in place in the world. They've been in place for thousands of years. They're respected by the public. They're known by the public. So none of what we're talking about, when we're talking about the world conspirators, are we, in, are we here to indict any particular religion or some person that has a certain way of seeing things? That's not what this is. We're getting to the institutional hierarchy and the power behind it, how it's been infiltrated and used and warped. So if we're going to say, okay, we can accept that that's happened. I mean, it's happened to our media. It's happened to our governments. It's happened to our institutions. It happened to Big Pharma, which, I mean, the medical system itself was on its way to be something that would have been a positive force in the world until it got hijacked by who? And turned into something that wasn't working on the best interest of the average person. So if we can say, yeah, it happens in all these other areas, why the exception when it comes to the object of your hate? And this is how they play us because they know. <laughs> nothing to do with average Jewish people or Christian people. This is something far darker. Uh, these are satanic, Setian, Luciferian atomists. Just throwing a bunch of names out. Yeah. Uh, ancient cults operating behind that veil. They are atheist socialists. They are control freak psychopaths wearing the costumes. So that's who these Sabbatean Frankists are. They're not your average uh, religious Orthodox Jew. So this goes, where does the name come from? Well, Sabbatean, we're talking about uh, a, a particular story here. Zabatai Zevi, the corrupt arch deceiver, 1626 to 1676. And although he was a rabbi and proclaimed himself the Messiah, here's something interesting. He plotted the obliteration of Judaism and all civilized institutions. He was a revolutionary Marxist before Marx even existed. And he plotted against his own Jewish sects. You know, oh, by the way, do you know how many, how many different Jewish sects there are? How many different Christian denominations are there? 
Even if we were to try to pin it down and say, okay, it's a Catholic conspiracy, it's a Jewish conspiracy, it's a liberal conspiracy. Do you know there's fractions and factions and different cults and sects within those different groups? Do you know there's 50,000 plus denominations of Christianity that are all tax exempt, that are all warring with each other over what the Holy Book says and what the real doctrine is? And you know it's the same with Judaism and you know it's the same with Islam? So when we use these terms, you go, okay, which group is it then? Where did they, where did all that shit come from? See, that's where I would go. I would say, well, the real monarchs here, the real alphas in the room aren't some small little demographic or aren't even some big demographic. These are the people that hold the keys to where all that shit even originated. They invented it. They preserved it and then repackaged it for the masses. Many of the original teachings in all these religions were once whole. They were once universal. And they were very positive. They were there to uplift humanity. It was a positive form of religion. But they got co-opted by, guess who? The same people co-opting your government right now. Same type of people, same mentality of those people. And they operate from behind many cults. And they walk in many circles. And one day they're wearing a rabbi costume. Another day they're wearing a liberal costume. Another, but in behind the scenes, they're doing their own private rites and rituals, worshiping their own gods and deities and interfacing with their own organizations of which none of us know anything about. So this is from an article. Uh, this is one of those articles I'll link from Michael Tessarian's website. I think, yeah, Jews and Templars. It's basically a book on this. So you get into the history of these guys that were rebels against their own religious orders and were put in to shake it up. His followers were behind the rise of the Illuminati and other diabolical societies. So many of those guys, Leola, the Jesuits, all that, they come from ideologies that far predate them. They're just continuing this push. And the reason they stay secret is because it's so evil, the regular public would never go for it. That even, their own, even their own people and their own allegedly same cults and religions wouldn't go for it. So it has to go underground. And then it gets fomented over time. And then they rise up here and there, and we only get the little um, little glimmers of it all. So the question is, was he an agent of the Templar clerics, the Cistercians, etc.? Was he a descendant of wealthy Jews, long protected and employed by the Knights Templar? Was he a member of the ancient Gionum, which is another uh, ancient cult? Zebi's successor was the infamous Jacob Frank. After he died, the Sabbateans were led by Eve Frank, which was his daughter after her time. We believe the Sabbatean Frankists have been continually led by females, female cults, such as, you know, now we have the modern version of these types, Ghislaine Maxwell, Maria Mambramovich, etc. these witch cults. There's a history to it all. Now you got this thing about Karl Marx writing his book, The Jewish Question. How, how many people on the left today advocating for Marxism how many modern Jews in New York today advocating for Marxism and socialism have any idea what they're glorifying? Little quote from Dinesh D'Souza, Mein Kampf is a tireless recitation of libels and calumnies against the Jews. The Jews are accused of everything from being capitalists to being Bolsheviks, from being impotent to lusting after Nordic women, from being culturally insignificant to being seekers of world domination. The charges are contradictory. They cannot all simultaneously be true. 
So just kind of pointing out the, the chaotic madness of it. Ironically, the points I make here, this is uh, Michael writing, are substantiated in full by Karl Marx himself. His scurrilous attack on Judaism found in his little known book on the Jewish question reveals all. Marx, the profligate and flunky, reveals his petticoats in his open condemnation of the Jews for being successful capitalists. He inadvertently confirms that there are indeed subversive pseudo-Jews like himself and his cronies with no time for normal liberal or conservative Jews. So he's even talking in the book, and I've read it, about how there's crypto-Jews, which are just Jews in disguise. This means that normal Jews exist and that there are not given to political subversion. Marx's hatred for decency compelled him to betray his vicious attempt for hardworking, God-loving Jews. His anti-Semitism makes it clear that the vast majority of Jews mean no harm to anyone and that their dire enemies were and are Luciferian pseudo-Jews like himself. This is something people don't like to bite down on, especially the groups I'm talking about. Because you need a punching bag, right? And it's easy. This is too complicated what I'm going through. So forget it. It's too complicated. I want something simple. I need an easy target. So here's the, here's the conclusion on this question in my mind. Any Jews that we see working for the controllers that people keep rolling out are actually not average traditional religious Jews. They are atheist socialists. They might have Jewish names. They might come from those families. There's a whole Jewish history that people don't get into to see where these uh, types were bred, but they were bred through ideological uh, subversion, just like all of us have been in one way, shape, or form. So Judaism, or any public religious group for that matter, whether it's Christianity or any of the others, is not really the common denominator amongst the world controllers. What is, though, is socialism itself. And again, the particular of brand of like feudalist socialism that we're seeing come out now through the UN, WEF, etc. You can get into what Carol Quigley had to say on that. Now, get just to nail this, okay, once and for all. Anybody advocating for the Nazis, they're advocating for socialism because that's what the Nazis were. Here's some quotes I'm just going to run through really quick by Goebbels. He writes a lot on this. Number one, socialism is the ideology of the future. And I'll put all the links to all these exact quotes for you so you know I'm not just making this shit up. Two, the bourgeoisie. What, what we're talking bourgeoisie? What is this? Is this communism now? The bourgeoisie has to yield to the working class. Whatever is about to fail should be pushed. We are all soldiers of the revolution. We want the workers' victory over filthy lucre. Lucher. I don't know what that means. That is socialism. We are socialists. We, he's talking about the Nazis. We are socialists because we see in socialism that means in the faithful dependence of all folk comrades upon each other, the sole possibility for the preservation of our racial genetics and thus the reconquest of our political freedom for the rejuvenation of the German state. So this is the excuse as to why they're advocating for it. And this is the excuse your average neo-Nazi today is going to give you. We got to collectivize just like the, the radical communist left is. Let's become the same thing as them, and then we'll have a chance at our freedom. <laughs> You're being played. There's another alternative, my friends. He goes on. We are not a charitable institution, but a party of revolutionary socialists. Does that sound like right-wing conservatism or, or even libertarianism or even classical liberalism? Oh, and here's another point to make. 
I could keep reading those quotes endlessly. I'll document them all for you again on my telegram. You got to remember context too. I was having a discussion with someone about this. They're like, how could you possibly say Hitler was a man of the left? We know Hitler's a man of the right, isn't he? And I'm like, no, no. First of all, he's a puppet. Second of all, uh, the, the left and right in the 1930s in Germany is a far cry of a different conversation of what a political spectrum is than what you're talking about in a modern American context, which is already polluted with all kinds. Like a, a leftist today in America is a far cry from a leftist 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Same with a conservative. Now the conservatives, here in Canada, there's no difference between the liberals and the conservatives. Different masks on the same face advocating for the same policies, which end up being something called globalism, which was invented by the collectivists that are behind both fascism and, and communism. They've created a hybrid now. Did we, did we not catch up to this? They've created a hybrid. These were experiments. You don't think these guys are sitting behind their golden tables and going, oh, uh, that was an interesting result. They're looking at what went down and see, we're sitting here fighting over the details here of all this shit. And they're sitting there going with pie charts and graphs as to, hey, did we achieve some depopulation, which is always the goal. Uh, we got the quotes from Bertrand Russell uh, talking about how we want to install global socialism. And in order to do that, we got to bring the population of humanity down to 1 billion people. And then you've got modern Club of Rome advocates telling you the same thing. And then you saw, what did the Bolsheviks do? What did the Nazis do? What did all these totalitarians do? What did Pol Pot do? Another one walking around with a Maltese cross in Cambodia behind his movements, financed and set up by the same Jesuits as before. Experiments, taking data points, and then what did they do? Well, you get into the insiders that we've listed again and again who are telling you John Robeson... 1798 writing about it george washington writing about it charles Lindbergh senior talking about it on and on prestigious people benjamin disraeli talking about it first prime minister of britain churchill talking about it all these guys talking about something going on to after world war ii to change the next phase of the system so it's not going to be we're done the war between communism and fascism we figured out after studying all our data from those experiments, how to merge the best parts, best not for you, but for them, the, the power brokers, the best parts of these different experiments and ideologies, weave them together to create a hybrid system that we will push. That's what they did in China. They perfected it in China. That comes later. Mao Zedong destroys China, who was on a different track prior, never recovered. Western bankers coming in, Henry Kissinger, you know, all those guys. What's his name? Brzezinski, one of the heads of the Polish faction of the Knights of Malta. It's like on their website, they brag about it. They go over, they get their guys into China and they start financing the CCP party another brand of communism that had just enough capitalism in it so that they could actually finance the bloody thing because communism and socialism can never finance anything on its own, of course. 
And then they build now the modern, perfect technocratic state as the new launch pad. And that's why, what do you got? CFR, Trilateral Commission, Club of Rome, all the major intellectuals and celebrities. Your Klaus Schwab is up there. They're all, Trudeau, China's my favorite country. I like their little dictatorship they got. They've really perfected that. He's lineage of the, of the more communist, lowbrow, socialist types, the Castro types. That's where his lineage is from. But you have the bigger guys that run the World Economic Forum in the EU that come from that more elite socialism, the champagne socialists of the fascists and the Nazis that are running your pandemic exercises. Who do they work for? They're front men too. So you got to know the history of it and to see, oh my God. And then, yeah, Carol Quigley came out, coming out with his tragedy and hope, just clinching it and saying, I was at the meetings. They're combining crony capitalism with communism and to create a new system. They're going to call it something else. We don't know what it's going to be called at that time. And now we know it's the great reset. It's what you're seeing. It's this new world order. They figured out the right recipe for success. Oh, wait. This is a good quote. To be a socialist, this is Goebbels again, to be a socialist means to let the ego serve the neighbor, to sacrifice the self for the whole. In its deepest sense, socialism equals service. So he's sitting there batting for equity and liberty and fraternity. Where do we first hear those slogans that AOC and the Green Party and all these people are pushing now? That all your radicals out in the streets, all your trans activists, Black Lives Matter, all financed by who? Soros, get into the Soros lineage to the Nazis. Who are we dealing with? Who are we clapping for, guys? These are the people that run the run it. At least this is the, these are their agents. What are they advocating for? The same thing Goebbels was advocating for. The same thing that the Bavarian Illuminati in Germany was advocating for. The same thing that Leola was advocating for. The same thing that a lot of these different secret orders, the Templars originally were advocating for. And that, again, is just the window dressing. It's not the real, the guys at the top know it's not what's in, it's best for humanity. It's what's best for maintaining the human farm. That's why they advocate for it. They just like to sell you like all the great cult leaders do on Kumbaya. But it never turns out to be Kumbaya, does it? Here's more, like 14 quotes from Goebbels, just from Goebbels, we get into Goering, we get into Hitler himself, could pull up Mein Kampf, you could go through it, and you can see there's nothing conservative or libertarian about the Nazis. They literally sound exactly like the ravings of the communist manifestos and the, the communists, yet, oh, that's their big enemy? The, the, the rivalry, the battles that happened, and all the writings against the communists and the Russians, it was about competing like he said, and Michael read the quote, we're not trying to, we're not fighting Bolshevism because we're against socialism. We're for socialism. <laughs> we just have our version of it that we're going to fight for. And again, these are the low level lieutenants. They have no idea that the big guys up the hill are take, just taking notes and going, okay, let's watch the skirmish and see who comes out the strongest. Oh, the Nazis won out. Perfect but the public still likes the communist ideas for better. So what we'll do is we'll hide Nazism and fascism behind the Bank of International Settlements, the EU. They're going to be the world government because they're the elite level representing what we want. 
And then we're going to use the communists as a way to reach the low level class people and get their, the average Joe blue collar guy on board, get all the moms get on board with Marxism and all that, sell them on security and liberty and fraternity and equality. But those are just code words for total monopolistic control about the hands of the few. Now, there's a, a political angle you can get into here. Another theory we could bring in. This is from uh, Jonah Goldberg's book, Liberal Fascism, The Secret History of the American Left from Mussolini to Hitler, Politics and Meaning. And he's just got an interesting point here because we have to start, as, as Michael was pointing out those points of how we can't let these leftists get away with saying that, oh, uh, if you're on the right or you're basically, how do I explain this? It's so hard because of the words, because there is no left and right, really. It's, let's just say the left today, okay, left its doors open with its open border policies for these creatures to get in and, and mix up the pot from maybe a more classical liberalism, okay? Um, which is funny because it was originally about freedom and calling out the big guy and all that. But now look who they're all, all the modern left today is advocating for Silicon Valley, all the big pharmaceutical organizations, all the big, they're the biggest, most powerful white capitalists in the world. They're like, yay, we love Klaus Schwab. Go great reset. You're like, wait a minute. Uh, I thought we were trying to get away from that. Um, it's all confused. So when you say left, right, it's like impossible to have the conversation, but the reason they targeted, they targeted the right, which would be in my reading of it, the real, uh, the real political spectrum is the more left you go, the more government control you're going for. It doesn't matter what ism you're advocating. If you're advocating for totalitarian government control, you're moving left on the spectrum. If you're moving right, you're moving towards anarchy, okay? Of which politically, I am not an advocate of anarchy. Philosophically, yes. Politically, I don't think humanity is there. But that's the true, uh, in my reading of it, the true political spectrum. But what they've done now is they've crafted this based off of World War II, based off of this conflict I'm talking about. They made their divisions in the public mind of right wing means fascist, left wing means communist. Like that's the extremes. So if you're advocating as a far right, you're a Nazi, you're a fascist. And if you're a far left, you're advocating for Karl Marx and communism. But that's not the truth because we're showing you that the ideas that built both fascism and communism are literally the same ideas. They're just applied to two different classes. So the true spectrum should be more freedom, less government control versus maximum tyranny and maximum government control. That's the true political spectrum. So would Hitler now, if we look at this, Hitler and the Nazis, would they be correctly labeled as right wing? Now, now that we know the revol just by the fact that the revolutionaries see right wing traditionally, if we go back to the traditional way to demarcate it, right wing is status quo, keep things the same, keep things structured, right? Regulate things. And it got really out of hand, you know, with the censorship and it was going to an extreme during the fifties and whatever in America. And there's, it just keeps swinging between extremes. But when you think, well, so if we're talking revolutionaries and massive sudden change, that's, that's more, uh, 
a behavior of the of what we would traditionally call the left, right? So if we look at it on this front, and I personally don't really even like to get into this stuff because I still think we should be flying well above the political divisions, but I think it's necessary to just kind of get an idea of even just how to talk about this to your average modern day leftist who's telling you you're a Nazi for saying, I want more freedom and I want to be left alone by the government. You just got to pull out and go, okay, let's, can you define what fascism is for me? Can you define what right wing means and all that? And when you see that they absolutely can't, then you go, okay, so you're comparing me with Nazis and Hitler. Well, let me give you this. The popular conception that Hitler was a man of the right is grounded in a rich complex of assumptions and misconceptions about what constitutes left and right. Terms that get increasingly slippery the more you try to nail them down. Isn't that the truth? And this is a problem that we will be returning to throughout this book, he's saying, but we should deal with it here at least as to how it related to Hitler and Nazism. Hitler despised the bourgeoisie, the traditionalists, the aristocrats, the monarchists, and all the believers in the established order. And another point I should point out here is at that time, a lot of the aristocracies and the monarchies weren't all necessarily evil either. Many of them were what you could refer to as benign despots who were actually ruling very well on behalf of their uh, subjects, even though I prefer none of us had any monarchies. But it's a, it's a, it, you have to look at the history. So these guys were coming to go, we got to tear all that down and recreate something new, a new world order. That's what these secret societies were looking for, right? But that's not a conservative point of view. At that time, the conservatives were all about tradition. They were all about the aristocracy and the monarchy. And they were all about the established order and preserving it. So if the Nazis were working against all of that in Germany, how could you label them right wing? So early in his political career, he had become repelled by the traditionalist values of the German bourgeoisie, writes John Lucas in The Hitler of History. Hitler deserves then to be placed firmly on the left because first and foremost, he was a revolutionary. Broadly speaking, the left is the party of change, the right, the party of the status quo. On this score alone, Hitler was in no sense, way, shape, or form a man of the right. And a man of the right, under the definition I gave you, not a man of the fascist, but the fact that fascism is socialism. If you put that together, it's just a different brand. Then how could you say that these are opposing ideologies? There's another example here. So this is the book, the Hitler book. It's um, by Helga Zapp LaRouche. It's loaded with sources and quotes. It's I'm going through it now. There's so many good aspects to it. Uh, just just for research purposes, you don't have to agree with all the conclusions, but just for research purposes and getting uh, sources, and then you can go follow it up. It's incredible. Here's just the summary of the book. Okay, they're asking: Was Hitler just a lone assassin of nations, just a crazy fanatic who somehow managed to take power in a powerful nation and threaten world domination and destruction? Do all Germans genetically have fascist tendencies? The short answer is no to both of these mythologies and numerous others from Hollywood and similar places. Yet despite the importance of the subject and shelves full of books and scholarly writings on the topic, only this study by Helga Zepp LaRouche and a Schiller Institute research team actually approximates a thorough analysis of Hitler and the Nazi movement, its origins and mystical philosophy, its fascist economic policies, its race science, its backers and promoters. That's a good chapter to get into. It's drug and gun running, it's ter terrorism and assassinations. 
Most importantly, this book tracks the Nazi apparatus transformation into today's green and anti-human movement, the climate change cult, and religious terrorism. At the end of the war, intelligence services engaged in a mad scramble to preserve and take over the Nazi old boys' networks. Don't be so sure that the old swastikas are gone for good. Trappings and tactics have changed somewhat, but the threat of global destruction is still hanging over us. So read this book and ensure that mankind can overcome the continuing menace and create a future of progress for all. So it's just basically summarizing, you know, similar to Jim Mars when he went into Rise of the Fourth Reich and many other authors, Anthony Sutton, uh, which I should show you, talking about how just like the Templars never went away, just like the Cistercians and all these guys never went away, just like the Illuminists and the Jacobins never went away, they went underground, they rebranded, and then came out in different guises. So too did these Nazis, and it would be the same for these Marxist communists as well. They are set up and financed through the Frankfurt School in uh, Europe, and they are uh, essentially linked to the Fabian Socialists, which is, there's your Masonic connection in Britain. So whole sticky history there. And um, what should I do next here? So I'm just going to stop sharing this screen. I just want to pull something up. Let's go into Anthony Sutton here. Uh, where is it? Hold on, clip. Hold on. There it is. Okay, we got it. So I got so many links in front of me. I'm going to get this right. I want to show you these books. I've mentioned them before, but good time to bring it up again. You can actually get this book in the trilogy now, which is cool because there's three books. It's Professor Anthony Sutton. Um, this is the book I have of his that would be a good entry. America's Secret Establishment, the Order of the Skull and Bones. This is going to get into your Bush family. And these are your Nazis, man. These are the, the modern Nazis. F found their way into the CIA. The CIA was set up by Knights of Malta. So there's all your connections there. Okay. And then the Skull of Bones. These are just modern day versions of Templar secret societies. That's what they are. And then he's got a trilogy on Wall Street. So when he's talking Wall Street, he's not just talking a couple brokers on Wall Street. He's talking about the financial powers behind Wall Street and how they financed all sides of these wars. So you got the trilogy uh, you can get. There's three books. One is Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, and Wall Street and FDR. And if you look at, you read each of these books and put it all together, and what's good about these books is he actually shows you the, the receipts of the financing. He found it. He got, he was in, he was, um, involved in some pretty prestigious institutes and he had access to these libraries, congressional libraries and whatnot. And he found all the receipts of where the money came from. So this is a trilogy describing the role of the American corporate socialists, otherwise known as the wall street financial elite or the Eastern liberal establishment. They come by different names in three significant 20th century historical events. The 1917 Lenin Trotsky revolution in Russia, the 1933 election of Franklin Roosevelt in the United States, and the 1933 seizure of power by Adolf Hitler in Germany. And I just can't help but notice that it was 1933 as the year for what essentially could be summed up as a period of mass ritual in war. 
which gets into the way the occultists look at these political events. Okay. But I don't think Sutton gets into that. He's more on this level, but he's got so many good things here. So uh, he gets into so many things in this series, but this is why I'm recommending it. Don't take my word for it when I'm telling you that all these different factions were financed by the same people. And again, we're not just talking about some wealthy Jews here. We're talking about black nobility, aristocracy, German, Dutch, elite, Templar, Masonic ideologues and members. I mean, for crying out loud, the Bilderberg Group founded by a Nazi. You know, so get in there just to get all the all the receipts on that. Those books are invaluable. You can also find some good talks by Sutton on the Internet, but I recommend the books because it just nails the evidence. And then when you follow the thread, you can prove it to yourself. Now, next up, what's the alternative to all this? Well, again, I've referenced this, but we've got to keep bringing it. Apparently. We don't need to have this dialectic of two dimensional thought Well, it's either or. We can go, all these totalitarian regimes are garbage. They lead to the loss of freedom. And we have alternatives to it. So let's bring out some Geoverd Griffin. The guy pretty much wrote the book on this and uh, warned us about a lot of this stuff and his predictions have, lo and behold, come true. So let's just watch a few minutes of this it's a pretty classic interview. I think he did this in like 2008 or 2010 on InfoWars, but I just like it because he's really uh, laying out this case here of how it's different masks on the same face and that there's an alternative to all of it. Used word about a century ago. People wrote a lot about collectivism, and the opposite of that would be individualism. Those are two words that are sort of uh, abandoned today, but in my view, I think they need to be uh, recaptured and uh, understood and used more. And I realized that communism and fascism, the so-called opposites, are merely variants of collectivism. They're the same thing. And they believe that the group is more important than the individual, for example. And the individual must be sacrificed, if necessary, for the greater good of the greater number. They believe that the state should be all-powerful and that uh, the people should obey the state for the greater good of the greater number and all of that sort of thing. Um, they believe that rights are uh, granted by the state. They're not, uh, they're not part of the human being. They're not, they're not God-given. They're not entrenched in his body and soul. They have to be granted by the state. All of these things, and you look at them one by one, communists and fascists and Nazis and socialists, they all believe that. So wherein lies the conflict, you see? And I began to question that. I realize that it's partly a trick. It's a, in fact, I think it's a huge trick. It's a great scam because people even today are thinking that they have to choose between the right or the left, not realizing that no matter which way they go, they've accepted basically the same ideology underneath. Now, it's true that the leaders of these groups, like the, the Stalins of the world and the Adolf Hitlers of the world and the Mao Zedongs of the world and so forth, the, the leaders of these groups on left and right will fight each other and they will go to war with each other, and there will be tremendous battles, as we saw in World War II, for example. Uh, but what are they fighting over? Ideology? Not at all, because they agree on ideology. What they're fighting over is dominance. Who is going to rule? That's all they're fighting over.
And once you get that picture, historically, it's not too difficult to see that that's the same thing going on even today, as certainly going on in American politics. We have the left versus the right sort of embodied today in the Republican Party supposedly on the right and the Democrat Party supposedly on the left. Now, here's a choice, isn't there? Well, why is it if this is such a choice that so we go from Republicans to Democrats and then four years or eight years later, we go back to, to Republicans again and we keep doing this. We've been doing this since World War I. How come the country keeps moving in the same direction all the time, deeper and deeper and deeper into collectivism? regardless of which party is in, in favor, because they both believe in collectivism. They both believe in big government. But their slogans are different, their leaders are different, but the poor voter out there trying to make sense of all this is, uh, he's tricked, he's stuck, he's trapped. And so this is the, the important thing to, uh, I think, understand that this left-right paradigm is a, uh, it's a political ploy. It works very well for those who know what they're doing. We find that the Republican Party and the Democrat Party both are pretty much in the, the hands of a, of a relatively small group of people with a membership of about 4,000. It's called the Council on Foreign Relations. These are the people that are really pulling the strings in both the Republican and the Democrat Party. And they've even written about it. There's a fellow by the name of Carol Quigley, who's a former history professor at uh, Georgetown University. Uh, by the way, he um, was the mentor of uh, William Clinton when Clinton was a student there. And, um, and he wrote several books about uh, this group of people and their origins and their roots coming from Europe and England in particular. And uh, he comes to a very interesting point in one of his books where he says, okay, this is the way the real world is. He said, how is it that we collectivists, we elitists, how can we rule the world when at the same time we want to let the average person think that they're living in a, quote, democracy. They're living in a system where their vote counts. They're living in, in this world in which they feel that they must participate in their own political destiny. This is a carefully nurtured myth that they want to create so people will be content with no matter what happens to them, they'll say, well, I voted for it, or I did it. This government is my government, no matter how bad it is, it's, it's responsible to me. And as long as people have that image, then they don't complain so much about how bad it gets because they did it, they think. So Quigley deals with this question, how do you let people think that they're directing their own political destiny when at the same time we, the elite, we are the ones who must direct their political destiny without them knowing it. How do you do that? And he answers the question brilliantly. He said, it's very simple. You've got to have two major political parties and they'll both have the same major goals, the same basic fundamental principles, and they'll argue with each other uh, on, uh, on the surface with slogans and leadership and style and all of that sort of thing. He said, but we will control them both. Man, the man said it better than I did in this whole podcast. Uh, yeah, that's how it works. Game of Thrones, something going on behind the scenes that we know very little about, and then we're fighting over table scraps. And that's why the world is the way it is. If any one of these ideologies was actually pure and perfect, uh, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. So um, we have to try to think outside the box, study our history, watch out for these traps. Um, and just, you know, then another thing we've been covering on Unslaved 
is the psychological drives and needs and motives behind people that jump on these various bandwagons and get into collectivist thought, who first of all, don't understand uh, how that works politically and, and the history of it. But second of all, why there's the drive in any way to continually try to join all these factions and maintain the divide and conquer strategy. Nothing wrong with coming together with like-minded people, but if you can't preserve your own individual ideology and you can't think for yourself and you can't, like if you're suddenly in a place where you're with all these people that have these certain ways of seeing things and the minute you start speaking out, they start attacking you for different opinions, you're not in a group of free thinkers. I mean, it's different from debating things and having you know constructive arguments about things. We're talking about how you can see that there's emotional ties to many of these different ideas that um, we dive into the psychology and the roots of it why we keep voting in dictators in general uh, across the human race all over the world, why we keep um, going along with this, you know, what was the psychological root behind all of the COVID hysteria and why so many people bought into it. And now it's the new latest thing that's going on. Um, and we got to nail that because otherwise we're just going to keep tearing each other to bits while these guys are getting away with literal murder. They're stealing your economy. They're stealing your countries. And they're selling you a bunch of nonsense to keep you distracted and fighting against the wrong people, right? It's old. It's as old as history. So this was my intention in the end was to bring it back to this point of saying, well, even if there's elements we disagree on in terms of our reading of this incredibly vast history that takes lifetimes to try to take apart and, and find all the flaws in it, um, no, one, no one person has all the answers, of course. But even if we have disagreements there, that's okay. We need to start realizing that we have a common enemy here, no matter what country in the world you live in. And it's especially in, in our face right now, where like the World Health Organization is wanting to move ahead with a medical technocracy where they can just declare pandemics amongst humans, amongst animals. They can, they, they're proposing to lower the status of the human being to that of an animal. Um, so that, you know, and then you got Terra Carta coming out under the Royal family. There's a Nazi connection there, uh, that are saying, Oh, nature has more rights than man. Now, wasn't that conveniently working with the club of Rome depopulation agenda? So it, it's the, it's, it, there's a power behind the throne and, uh, that power is seeking more power. That's all it can do. And they know that the way to achieve it is to capture the public mind that's the that's what they need to infiltrate the most yeah they've infiltrated our media our school systems hollywood all of that but the most important place they've infiltrated is your mind so when you realize that that that's the battleground just take your mind back start thinking for yourself you don't have to agree with me you don't have to agree with g Edward griffin or any of these other people you can think for yourself but think rationally go find the sources go do the research and um, and keep it evolving. Keep it uh, oh, new information never heard before. Let's go follow that up and see if it changes things. Because we got to get a handle on this if we're going to uh, survive what they have intended. And I believe we will. Um, now, all of this to say, I, I I had a few threads to show you because, as I said, we the, what got me thinking about this was all this stuff going on with this Ukraine stuff, the the Nazi that they brought into Parliament. Everybody's clapping for. And um, now they're just telling us, oh, uh, yeah, 
we were calling you guys Nazis and fascists for years for saying you didn't like our government policies. So we're just calling you those names and staging photo ops with flags at trucker convoys and, uh, you know, besmirching the name of good people over and over again by calling you fascists. But then when we bring an actual Nazi into parliament and start clapping for it so we can give all of your money away to these other countries and keep these wars going, um, just let's not talk about that anymore. We've already fired the guy who was the speaker of the house. He was the fall guy who took all the heat for that. But, you know, Trudeau and Freeland who has connections to the Nazis, uh, we're, we're not going to, we don't want you talking about that. You know, that, that's just hateful rhetoric. It's a far right conspiracy theory. Um, and we're just going to move on. And my take is I say, we never let that die. That was one of the biggest contradictions ever. And what a valuable tool to help wake up some of these normies to say, Hey, people who are following the media narrative that everybody that's against the government narrative is somehow a Nazi. Isn't it weird how that government itself is bringing real Nazis in now having to apologize for it and fire people and do all that kind of stuff. Do you find any contradictions there? What other contradictions might exist? What other oversights might there be? And what if this is just a big shell game and the real truth is much darker? So I had a couple uh, threads to point you out, point out to you before we leave. Uh, first one here was it's a good one coming from clandestine on X, and he's saying. He's commenting on it because this is, of course, getting press all over the place. The Nazi scandal is not an isolated incident. Western liberalism, liberalism has many characteristics of Nazism. Mass propaganda, censoring journalists and scientists, forced medical experimentation, nefarious biological research, arresting political opposition, ambitions of global hegemony, same ideology, different name. And before anyone says Nazis were right, ring, right wing, this is revisionist history. The Nazis were quite literally socialists. Their name was literally the National Socialist Workers Party. They supported government control of the private sector. They supported government control of everything. But because the Nazis were nationalist, the left have gaslit the public to associate Nazism to conservatism, which is a lie. They, the left, want you to believe this Nazis were right-wing because it's convenient for them just as they did with the KKK and the Southern Democrats who supported slavery. It was the Republican Party, led by Republican Abraham Lincoln, who voted unanimously to abolish slavery. Then the left told you the party switched, which of course was yet another massive lie. The left-wing ideology has always been totalitarian and fascistic. Hell, they even have their own brown shirts equivalent in Antifa and BLM who use physical intimidation and violence to suppress their political opposition and face zero consequences for burning, looting, assault, murder, inciting riots, etc. So then that's right out of history, the same thing. This Nazi scandal isn't just some accident. It's literally their ideology. This is who they are. This is who they have always been. It's just becoming more obvious. I agree. Well said. Uh, the other one I want to show you, there's some good threads if you want to dig into this whole Christia Freeland thing. First of all, before we even get into threads on it, let's go to some mainstream here on this. I found this to be hilarious. <laughs> right as we have, there's a meme going around where Freeland is clapping for the Nazi guy and she's got this like, and they're like, 
find someone that looks at you the way Freeland looks at a Nazi, right? It's kind of a funny meme, but let's get into the weeds of it. There's a good account on Twitter that did some good threads on this. Uh, here it is. Oh, make sure I'm sharing the screen. There you go. Okay. And it's Lord Bebo, my Lord Bebo. If you go and follow that account, got some good threads. Trudeau apologizes to Zelensky for hosting an SS Galatia veteran, but the SS Galatian division is glorified in Ukraine. So why apologizing for their hosting? For, for, why is they? Why are they apologizing for hosting their hero? See, because this is the thing. This is where this can lead. This can lead to the question. Okay, we've got some interesting connections to Nazis in Ukraine, literal Nazis in Ukraine that are committing crimes against humanity against their own people and also Russians that live in Ukraine, okay? Because there's a whole war going on there before the war was going on. And there's been questions coming from the, from, from the freedom side or the conservative side saying, well, why are we sending all this money? Are we financing Nazi groups over there? And now they actually bring a Nazi in and it's like, oh, uh, maybe this will help get people to start looking deeper into where our money's going and what's really going on in Ukraine. So this is the whole thread that he goes through on that. Um, and so I'm not going to read the whole thread for you, but I have shared it. Oh, actually, I should share it. Here you go. There. I've just reposted it on my Twitter, at Truth Warrior Dad, or you can just go to Lord Bebo. He's got it there. I found that to be a really good one. Um, I think there was one more as well. But even more important, he did two threads on it. He did a thread also on Freeland's connection, but we don't even need to go to that. We can go to even something a little more mainstream here. We can go to, I'll turn the audio off. Oh, the ads, damn it. Get rid of the ads, sorry, we'll get there. Here we go. The Ottawa Citizen. A very mainstream publication in Ottawa. I used to live in Ottawa. I know all about the Ottawa Citizen. This was actually put in the Ottawa Citizen, which to me would be considered mainstream news, okay, in 2017. And I believe it had an updated article. And they were trying to debunk the notion that Christia Freeland's grandfather was indeed a Nazi collaborator. And they, the government of Canada and Freeland were saying that's just a bunch of Russian disinformation. Is it Russian disinformation? This article goes through and goes, ah, well, on, upon fact-checking it, it's not Russian disinformation. Here's all the, here's all the facts. Michael Fons Komiak. And they go through the personal papers. Here's some photos. Shows Komiak at a party. He's to the right of the man who's smoking on the far right-hand lower corner of the photo. In uniform is Emil Gassner, the Nazi administrator in charge of the press for the region, including Krakow. So they just do a, a quick little write-up on it. I was, I was just shocked to see this in the Ottawa Citizen, that they're actually talking about this. And again, you'll know them by their fruits. What was Freeland uh, famous for during the last few years? Acting rather fascistic, if I must say. Freezing bank accounts, calling everybody Nazis when she's literally marching in Ukrainian demonstrations with people holding flags that are supporting Ukrainian Nazi groups. Her own family has a lineage to it. 
You even have it in the mainstream media admitting it. And then again, if you go to Lord Bebo on Twitter, on X, he does like a whole 20 point thread on it and gives you all the names and dates and the facts. So these people are everything they're calling you. And this is an old tactic of both the fascists and the communists. Doesn't matter. This is how you roll. You call them the names that you are by projecting. You can hide behind the projection. So they call you everything they are. What if we look at it like that? Everything the government's calling anybody fighting for freedom and a sort of sane balance between all these political ideologies. Uh, they're called the worst names of the actual things that are what your government is and who they're serving. Many of them unwitting perhaps, but they're still serving it. I think a lot of these guys in parliament stood up and clapped simply because they are that ignorant. And they're just going along with the virtue signaling thing where they think they're promoting, you know, helping people in Ukraine when they have no idea what's really behind it. So, and there's been good work done on it with the bio labs and the history and what's really going on. But the, what are they doing? They're funneling your money out of your country during a recession, during a period where I'm here in British Columbia on the island and our gas is like $2.15 a liter. Foods, you go buy food, you buy three things in the grocery store and it's 75 bucks. You know, it, it's incredible. How many people lost their businesses during the lockdowns, never to return? Everybody's on government assistance, blowing up the welfare state, meaning you're relying on the state, which collectivism. And we're losing our independence because now everybody's in debt. And they want to still send all your money to these wars to keep them going. We don't want to sit down and actually have a real negotiation and try to end it that way. We don't want to try to throw Trump or someone in the ring to try to broker a deal, give it a shot. I mean, people are dying for crying out loud. All the celebrities, all the Hollywood elites, all the people on Maxwell and Epstein's client list are all telling you, keep giving your money to Zelensky. You know, and so you go, what's really going on here? Well, it's a coup. It's a coup. This is about destroying Western civilization. And there's been many different attacks that are happening simultaneously in order to achieve that. Look at how much they have to attack the principles of freedom in order to make it work. They have to attack you 24-7. They got to hit you from different angles, keep you distracted, keep you divided. These guys are up all, all night long. They're working 24-7 on this. That's how hard they have to try to fight against it. But in the end, they're going to lose because the truth is going to win. It's all going to come out. It's already coming out. So I, when I see these type of events happen, I don't get all up in a twist about it. I'm clapping. <laughs> My wife, I was talking to her about it. And she's like, oh, this stuff gives me anxiety. I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, but to me, it's like we're, it's this, this evil is finally coming out of the closet. And more people are seeing it. I got people that I know, I don't know about you, that are waking up from one aspect of this or another. And then now they're questioning everything. Maybe this event that just happened. Do you know that Trudeau's approval rating was already plummeting? I covered this a few shows back. It was already plummeting. He's had scandal after scandal. It's almost like a daily thing now. It went from like a few months, there'd be one, then a few weeks. Now it's like daily, there's something. And his approval rating, if you can believe it, has dropped even lower. And those are official approval rating, the official polls which there's the internal polls that probably show something totally different. 
because you got to remember there's a point where you can't keep all this stuff secret anymore you can't keep it secret that these people are ideologues to these various cult ideologies you can't keep it secret the levels of corruption anymore it's all coming out it's all coming out in the wash right now so to me it's positive it's positive because more people are seeing this i was even at my dojo and i don't talk about this stuff in my dojo i try to keep that separate i try to keep my doors open for everybody there and uh but you know some of my students can't help but come and pull my ear and be like hey man you see this and there's people that i know that don't look into any of this stuff that are going yeah this is there's something really wrong going on now they're starting to see it and it's happening everywhere so I think let me show you a couple more. We have a couple more things here. I just want to make sure I got everything before we go. I showed you that. Quickly look in my notes. Try to squeeze it all into one show so I don't have to do this show again. It's done. I had a whole bunch of lists of stuff on particular guys like James Farley who was working with FDR, Knight of Malta. He was the business exec of Coca-Cola. He was a political kingmaker um, in the 30s. Yeah, uh, James Jesus Angleton. I get into him in Chapter 8 of Cult of the Medics. <laughs> the George Bush connection, the Bush family, William Casey, CIA director, Alan Dulles, Hitler's Man of the Year, 1938, Knights of Malta, first civilian head of CIA, the connections with Reinhard Galen, we kind of went through that. Zivnia Brzezinski, he was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. He was Bilderberg Group Council on Foreign Relations. He's everything. He's got he's got it all. He's trained at Georgetown University. He's uh yeah. He's connected to Obama. So much more. I could do multiple parts on this. But there you have it, guys. That's what I got for you today. Hope I gave you something to think about, give you some new tidbits of info. I'm going to go and make a little list of some extra links on my Telegram for you of stuff we've covered. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, throw them in the chat. And... Let's just see how the next phase of this goes because I think there's more and more. It's just going to keep coming out. It's going to keep being exposed to the public. So take notes, keep researching, keep thinking for yourself. Uh, watch out online, especially in some of these alternative circles because there are people everywhere trying to sell you on one type of group or another to join. And, uh, you know, just be wary. And let's try to realize we all have a common enemy. We all need to put our heads together and find ways to uh, get off of this matrix system and get away from all these guys and operate in a truly free society. And that is the goal. So I wish you well. I will be back here soon. Uh, sorry, we didn't have any uh, Earth Chronicles this week. I am deeply, deeply into production of, chap of Chapter 10, Cult of the Medics, for those that have been asking. It's going to be really, really good. I'm really happy with it so far. Uh, I've already got an hour of it completed. It's going to be a little bit longer, probably be closer to the 90 minute mark. So I just have to finish my ending there. So I'm hoping I can get that all done. I've got a pretty crazy schedule right now. I'm working like 16 hours a day with the dojo and everything. Um, so yeah, we're already into September. 
I would love to get this done and out in October. Might have to be early November, but we'll see how it goes. I'll give you guys some updates. I just want to make sure it's polished and it's nice and it's exactly what I want before I release it. But stay tuned for that. And if you want to catch up on more of that, go to cultofthemedics.com. You can get it for free. Uh, if you want to support the series, you can donate over there or you can get some of the apparel done by Rise Attire, my sponsor. Uh, that definitely helps out. Or again, as always, to support the series or support my show, best way to do it is share, like, leave a comment, get it out as far and wide as possible. And I greatly appreciate all of you who've supported the show, supported my work in various ways. Without you, I couldn't do it. And uh, uh, definitely, you're going to look forward to more coming your way soon. So thanks, everybody. Be well. Keep your head on a swivel. Truth is going to win. Catch you next time. Cheers.